I just want to speak on verses 13 through the rest of the chapter, chapter 2 this morning. Beginning at verse 13 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And if you haven't been around, I would encourage you to get on the web and look at the last couple of Sundays, especially messages from Sunday morning. Because even though all of my messages can stand on their own, that these are a progression here. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about the absolute necessity of living by faith and what that really means. And then last week we talked about how in our day and age, especially we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2. And then today we also need to talk about this. And that is something that Paul was talking to these Thessalonian believers about. And it's all about the absolute necessity for us to be strong today. If Christians, if followers of Jesus Christ ever needed to be strong, it is in the day and age in which we live today. Let's just take our own nation. Let's not even go outside of America. The Bible tells us that we will be living in the last days in the midst of spiritual decline. That even amongst those who claim to be Christians, there will be this great falling away and defection of from the faith. There will be those who walk away from prayer, from the word, from the local church, from serving, from evangelism. They will walk away. And so there's going to be this great spiritual decline. Well, obviously, then that means that you and I need to be strong and stay strong because as we see all these Christians who continue to decline in their faith, And to walk away from God and the church and his word and all of that. We need to be strong. And then on the other side of it, the Bible taught us and teaches us over and over again that in the midst of the spiritual decline, there is going to be a continuing rise of evil and wickedness and violence and immorality. So you've got two things going in the opposite directions. You've got the spiritual decline happening at the same time that evil and wickedness is rising. And that's why it is absolutely of a necessity that you and I be strong. Because the days in which we live, the Bible calls them the days of adversity. And the Bible teaches us in the book of Proverbs... That if we faint in the days of adversity, our strength is small. It doesn't say we have to faint. It doesn't mean we have to be overwhelmed with what's going on. It doesn't mean we have to give up and throw in the towel. And as we talked about even last week through Lot, just be completely worn down and all of that by what he experienced being a part of Sodom and Gomorrah. It doesn't have to be that way. We can be strong, but we will know our strength or the lack of it by how we are dealing with the days of adversity in which we live. Days in which the spiritual decline continues to go down and spiritual evil and wickedness continues to rise. And so that's why Paul pens these verses 
in 2 Thessalonians, beginning in chapter 2, verse 13. And notice the first thing he says, but we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters. He says one thing right off the bat, that even in the days of adversity, let's remember that we are never alone because God will never leave us or forsake us. But we are also never to be alone because we are surrounded or hopefully surrounded by our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should thank God every day for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you spend time every day, as Paul, thanking God for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Because, listen, we need each other more than ever. We need to stand with each other more than ever. We need to rely and depend and be encouraged by each other more than ever. Because, again, in this world, in these days of adversity, we can feel like followers of Jesus Christ, like we are all out there on our own. There's no one that looks at life the way we do, that has the same perspective on things that we do, that treasure and cherish the same things that we do. And that's why Paul starts off this passage by saying, I thank God for you. Because I know I have the Lord, but it's so nice to know I have some flesh and blood around me as well, just like me. And we're standing for the same things. And then he says... And we are loved by the Lord. We are never alone. And we are now and forever always loved by God. And as even we sung about that this morning, let's remember what Paul said to the Roman Christians in Romans chapter 8 when he said, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of Christ. No amount of distress or adversity or affliction or peril, anything can separate. So even in these dark days, even in these days of adversity, Paul is reminding us we're never alone and we are always loved. And there's not a thing that can happen to us in this world that can ever come between us and the love that God has for us. We may conclude that falsely by the things that we see, by the things that happen in our lives, but the truth of God's word by faith is nothing can ever separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And then Paul tells us how we can be strong. We not only can be strong because we don't stand alone, we stand with each other, and we know that the love of God is always there for us. But Paul says, and this is really what the rest of the passage is about, we become strong and we maintain our spiritual strength when you and I as individual believers and even as a church corporately are willing to be sold out to the purpose of God. That's what this is all about this morning, my friends. This message, it's a challenge to all of us. Because without being sold out to the purpose of God in our lives and for our lives, we will never become strong. God says, I'll give you all the strength that you need. But you need to do it my way. You need to be sold out to the purpose of God. So notice what that purpose is. We ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification. Now, what this phrase tells us is this. 
something I'll say a lot if you listen to me. And that is that salvation is not the end, it's simply the beginning. When a person turns to faith in Christ and accepts Christ and what he did for them on the cross for the forgiveness of sins and the restoration of a relationship with God, that's not the end. Notice that Paul says, God from the very beginning chose us for salvation, meaning the sum total of all the benefits and blessings of salvation, but it doesn't come simply by accepting Christ as my Savior. Notice Paul says, it comes through what? It comes through sanctification. And sanctification is simply a big biblical theological word that simply means this. It is a word that describes the process of progressively being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. I'll say it this way. It's becoming more like Jesus. That's what it is. That's the purpose of God. God says, I want everyone who's saved to sell themselves out to this purpose in their life. That they will every day, every hour of the day, sell themselves out to being more like Jesus. That's what Paul said in Romans 8, 29. That God predestined all of us who come to faith through His Son to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 29. Look at it. It's exactly what it teaches. And that's what Paul's saying here. See, we, we somehow think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get all the blessings and benefits of being saved just by asking Jesus into my heart, and then I'm good. Then I can put it on autopilot and just sail through my life and get on into eternity and enjoy eternity. No. No. We will miss out on so much, even as believers, if we're not willing to go through sanctification and sell ourselves out to that purpose in our life. That I wake up every day saying, Jesus, I want to be more like you today than I was yesterday. I want to be more like you this week than I was last week. I want to be more like you this month than I was last month. I want to be like Jesus. That's, that's my purpose. That's why God saved me. He didn't just save me so that our sins could be forgiven, so we could be restored to a relationship with Him and have a home for eternity in heaven. He saved us, the Bible clearly teaches, so that you and I, while we're here even on earth, can begin to be more like Jesus. That doesn't mean we become gods. There are certain attributes of God that God cannot nor will He ever share with any human being. It'd be impossible. We'll never be omnipotent. We'll never be omnipresent. We'll never be omniscient, all-knowing. But there are transferable attributes, if you will, that God can share with even human beings. Think of the fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Something, again, that I refer to a lot. We can be loving like God. We can be joyful like God. We can be patient like God. We can exhibit self-control like God. All those fruit of the Spirit, those are the transferable attributes, if you will, of God to us. And God says, in those ways and in many others, you can be more like my son Jesus. And God says, will you sell yourselves out to that purpose? Then he goes on to say, here's how God primarily does this. 
He does it, notice verse 13, by the Spirit. It's by the working of the Spirit, yielding to the Spirit, giving control over to the Spirit of God in our lives, and through faith in the truth. So just think of it this way. Two things, the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Those are the two primary ways that God makes us more like Jesus, so that we can become more like Jesus. But that's not where the process or the purpose of God ends. Notice then, as you and I sell ourselves out to become more like Jesus, then notice what happens. Verse 14, he called you to this salvation, this kind of salvation, this quality of salvation, which again, many Christians never enjoy because they never sell themselves out to the purpose of God in this salvation. Through our gospel, notice, so that you and I may possess the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you possess the glory of Jesus Christ today? We're supposed to. That's that's the purpose of God. Not only to be sanctified, to become more like Jesus, but here's really how to whittle this down to, to where, at least for me, I can understand it. It's also to get to a place as I become more like Jesus, where then others can see Jesus more clearly in my life. That's what it means to possess the glory of God. He's talking there about something that's very evident, very apparent. In other words, that people can view our lives and see Jesus in us. Not just that we're becoming like Jesus more, but that others can see it. And it's not something you got to, you know, dig real deep for. It's something that's right on the surface. It's evident. It's very apparent. That's what it means to possess the glory of God. We see that concept throughout the Bible. There were times where people would be walking along the street and, and, and people go, I can tell they've been with Jesus. There's something different about them, and it's all about their connection with that Jesus. And then remember in the book of Acts, the Bible says that there were people that didn't even believe in God who called those who were following Jesus Christians. Why? Because their lifestyle, their behavior, their composure, all of that, their compor- it all reminded them of Jesus. They said they're that Christ-like people. That's what Paul's saying. That's when you and I are sold out to the purpose of God where we are becoming more like Jesus every day and where others around us can see very evidently, very apparently that, yeah, Jesus is in them. Jesus is in them. There's no doubt. How sad is it that many times, you know, there are people that we know in our lives who've professed to be Christians. And yet we're going, boy, I'm having a hard time really finding the evidence. (laughs) It should never be that way for a real Christian. It, It should be so apparent that we are Christ followers because we have sold ourselves out to the purpose of God and we are becoming more like Jesus every day that there's no question. There's not even a hesitation that, yep, they know Jesus or they follow Jesus. Let me ask you a question. It's a question I've asked myself. Does my family, I mean, can they just, is it apparent? How about my coworkers, the people that I work around? Would they say, if, if some stranger was to go up and says, hey, can I ask you a question about so-and-so? Sure. 
Would you say they're a Christian? If there's not an immediate, oh my goodness, yes. No question. If they have to go, well, I, I don't know. I mean, a long time ago, you know, that's not good. That's not possessing the glory of God. Because the glory of God is to be so evident. It's like when Moses came down from meeting God on the mount. It was like it was so evident. It was written on his face that this man has been with God. He's had an encounter and experience with God. He's different. He's changed. That's what God expects from all of us. That's what God expects from all of us when we come together corporately as his people. That the experience of going to church isn't about just doing my religious duty. It's about coming together as God prescribes because it's his way of doing things and saying, I want you to come together and I want you all to come to worship me and to be under the word so that you leave never the same. So that it becomes very evident and very apparent to everyone around. You are my followers and you know me and you have a relationship with me. That's what it means to possess the glory of God. And so Paul says, that's the purpose. And when you and I as Christians sell ourselves out to that purpose in our lives, then God says, you will be strong. You'll be strong enough to handle the days of adversity. You won't be freaking out at all the stuff that's happening and all the things you're seeing and and you will lose heart and become spiritless and be discouraged and all of that. You will be able to stay strong and stand strong in the midst of the spiritual decline and the rise of evil, wickedness and violence. Which is why then Paul goes on to say after all this, verse 15. Therefore, based upon what I just said in 13 and 14, brothers and sisters, stand firm. I can't stand firm unless I'm strong. The words stand firm mean to persevere, to prevail, to persist. It basically means I become a rock because my life is on the rock. And no matter what storms, no matter what's happening around me, I'm able to stand up and to stand firm. I am not shaken. Remember earlier on in the book of 1 Thessalonians when we studied that? Paul says, I'm writing these things to you because I'm beginning to hear that some of you in that local church are being shaken. You're being troubled. You're being distressed. By the things that are happening around you. And Paul is writing this so that the Thessalonians, just like us, can learn to be strong and stand firm. And stop losing ground to the enemy. Hold our ground spiritually and stand firm. Well, he goes on to say, too, that one of the ways that we do that is by holding on to the traditions that we taught you whether by speech or by letter. In other words, the biblical principles that Paul and others had passed on to them, they were to hold on to and not let go of. And it was through clinging to the Word of God and its teachings and then selling ourselves out to the purpose of God that we can be strong. So that in the days of adversity, 
We won't faint. We won't just check out and say it's too much for me to handle. I can't deal with it. I'm I'm hearing those comments not from people that don't know God, but from people that claim to have a relationship with God. But here's the problem. When you and I as Christians don't sell ourselves out to the purposes of God in our life, instead of becoming strong, we become increasingly weak. And therefore, due to our lack of selling ourselves out to the purpose of God, the things that happen even overwhelm us even more. Because we're not in a place of spiritual strength and health. And that's why Paul is basically calling out the Thessalonians saying, I can't promise you it's going to get easier. In fact, it might get harder. And folks, I have to stand before you today and honestly and biblically say the same thing. It's probably not going to get easier for us as followers of Jesus Christ. It's probably going to get even harder I am fully prepared as a pastor in this day and age who unapologetically preaches the truth of God's word that there may come a day in my lifetime where they threaten to lock me up because of what I teach on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. I believe that that day is fast approaching, even in our country. And so, if we can't change how things are going to that degree, And we know that God has a purpose for it all anyway. The one thing that we can do and that we can control is our own spiritual life and health. So why don't we begin to focus on getting ourselves strong and staying strong? And that way, no matter what we have to live through as Christians, we will be prepared to do so. That's why Paul says in verse 16, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Two key words for me from that verse. One, notice the word gave. It means that God already gave us, past tense, his perpetual comfort, his hope. His encouragement and His strength. Well then, why isn't every Christian experiencing His refreshment and His hope and His encouragement and strength? Because we're not sold out to the purpose of God. See, it's it's like we already have it, but we're not able to really experience it and enjoy it because God says, you got to be sold out to my purpose. God is not going to strengthen us and make us stronger to pursue our own selfish pursuits in life. God's not going to make us stronger to go around pursuing pleasure rather than Him. God's not going to strengthen us in our lives to be disobedient and and pursue a life of sin. God will not strengthen us for that. But God says, you want to do my will? You want to pursue my purpose? Then I will make you as strong as you need to be. In fact, you will never lack strength. Never lack strength to do my will. You will never lack strength in your life to perform my purpose. You will always be strong to do what I ask you to do. 
But if you choose to go your own way and do your own thing, God says, mark it down. You'll become weaker and weaker and weaker. And life will begin to wrap its tentacles around you and it will begin to get the best of you real quick. That's why the second key word in this verse is the word good. Or I guess two words, good thing. Notice God's comfort and hope and encouragement is strength there for us when we are pursuing good things in what we do and say. Again, God's not going to empower us to go our own way. God's not going to strengthen us to pursue our selfish desires. God's not going to, you know, support us in in our sin and disobedience. God says, I'll let you go that way because I give you a free will. But if you go that way, you go alone. I'm I'm not going to enable you to do that. I'll always love you. In fact, it's even in that consequence, if you will, that God shows us he really loves us. Because just like with the prodigal who walked away from his loving father. It was only when he experienced the pain and consequences of his choices that he was willing to say, you know what? I'm tired of doing this my way. It's time to turn back and begin to live a different way. And he came back to his father who was always there, never stopped loving him, but he wasn't certainly going to enable him in that lifestyle that he chose. He'd be there when he came back, but he wasn't going to make life easy for him. And God is the same way. He will not make it easy for us if we say, God, I'm not sold out to your purpose. I want to live for me. God says, fine. But God says, don't expect to be strong. (laughs) Don't expect my strength To be filling up your life and your soul and your spirit. Because remember, we talked about this last week. We are also living in a day and age where if, if we don't even realize it, the Bible teaches that men and women's souls are being eroded day after day, week after week, month after month. They're not interested in filling up their soul. They're interested in pursuing worldly things. And we're seeing the results of it even in our own country. Even in our own churches, we're seeing the results of it. Because Christians somehow think, I can live life the way I want to and everything's still going to turn out okay. And God says, no. No. We may be saved, but we will only be strong Strong enough never to feign in the days in which we live if we are willing to sell out to the purposes of God. One other thought I would like to leave with you today, and I want to jump off on this last verse and then go to a couple other passages quickly this morning. In the word strengthen there in verse 16, that God will strengthen us to do every good thing you and I do or say, One of the meanings, one of the key meanings of that word strengthen is to deeply and solidly plant something or someone. 
And so you can see then how this relates to the whole idea of being able to stand firm. God says, if you sell out to my purpose of being more like Jesus every day and letting Jesus be seen evidently and apparently through your life every day, you will become strong because you are allowing me to deeply and solidly plant you. And as you do that, then you will be able to do what Paul said, to stand firm in the days of adversity. When you think about someone or something being deeply or solidly planted, there was a couple scriptures that came to mind that I'd like you to take a look at with me this morning. You can leave 2 Thessalonians. We're not coming back there. And I want you to go back to the book of Psalms, to Psalm 1. And those of you that know Psalm 1 pretty well, you know exactly where I'm headed, don't you? Because in this psalm, and especially the first three verses... God is describing a godly person in this way. How blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the assembly of scoffers. Instead, he finds pleasure in obeying the Lord's commands. He meditates on the commands day and night. And notice verse 3. He is like a tree. What's that next word? Planted. And the word means deeply and solidly planted. It's the concept of strengthen. By flowing streams, it yields its fruit at the proper time. Its leaves never fall off. He succeeds in everything he attempts. Wow. Everything? Yeah, everything. Are you prospering in everything? The Bible says we can if we sell ourselves out to the purpose of God and allow God to solidly and deeply plant us. The problem today is there are so many Christians who've never allowed God to solidly and deeply plant them in anything. In His Word, in worship of Him, in prayer, in a local church, long enough to be able to see any fruit. They're not planted anywhere. It's all surface. And so when the winds of adversity come, they are, like the Bible says, blown all over the place. That's why I love what Jesus said about John the Baptist. When when the religious leaders were pressing him about John the Baptist, he said said to them, Did you expect to see a, a reed shaken by the wind when you came to see John? Jesus was saying, He's no reed shaken by the wind. He has been solidly and deeply planted by God. He is standing firm. He's telling it like it is. He's not vacillating and waffling all around and unsettled. He's a tree planted by me. Strong. God says, that's what I expect out of every one of my children. That they will let me make them strong and solidly and deeply plant them. And then Psalm 92. And the reason I love Psalm 92 is because it talks about the date palm. Sort of our symbol for the oasis. You know, or one of them. Because when I think of an oasis, I think of, again, this place in the middle of the desert that's got all these date palms around it that provide shade and 
sustenance and all that and refreshment. And notice what God's Word said and how God compares the godly to a date palm. Verse 12, Psalm 92. The godly grow, flourish, prosper like a palm tree. And specifically in the Hebrew, it's a date palm. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. They grow high like a cedar in Lebanon. They increase, they enlarge. They're always growing. Always becoming stronger. And then notice verse 13. Planted where? Oh my. Christians need to hear that today. Because they'll say, oh well, the church isn't the Lord's house today. I beg to differ with that. I'll even debate you on that point. The New Testament calls the church the household of God. And the problem with many Christians today is their engagement in their local church, their investment in their local church is so minute that they have never let God plant them in his household somewhere. And God says, you will never be as strong as you could be if you don't let me plant you in my house. Because again... The church, the local church, isn't man's idea. It's not Jeff's idea. It's God's idea. But too many Christians today say, I can be strong and I can be spiritual and I can serve Christ, but I don't have to be planted in a local church. Well, again, God gives you that free will, but I will tell you this. You can choose that route for your life. But I'm telling you, Not based upon what I know, but based upon what I believe the Bible clearly teaches. You, if you choose that route, will never be strong. Because God said, the way I strengthen my people today is primarily through the local church. Not some other means, primarily through the local church. And that's a whole other group of messages. Planted in the Lord's house. Notice, they grow, they flourish, they prosper in the courts of our God. I love it. He even goes on to say, they bear fruit even when they're old. Filled with vitality. They're prospering. They're flourishing. They have many leaves so that they proclaim that the Lord is their protector. He is just and never unfair. Man, that's a strong tree. Why the date palm? Because the date palm is able to flourish and be productive even in the harshest of environments. Remember, the date palm flourishes and prospers in a desert. And that's why God is saying, I want you to be like a date palm. Because it doesn't matter what environment I place you in. It doesn't matter that everything has to go right around you. It doesn't matter that you have to live in a country where everybody thinks and acts like you do. It could be really bad. Remember, I placed people like Daniel in a foreign country that didn't even believe in me, and he flourished like a date palm. I placed Joseph in an ungodly country like Egypt, and he flourished like a date palm. For my people, it's not about the environment I place them in. It's about whether they are sold out to the purpose I have for their life. Because it doesn't matter then where I put them, they will prosper and flourish like a date palm. Because a date palm will flourish anywhere. 
And that's what God wants to see in his people. You put me anywhere, God, I'll flourish and prosper for you because it's about me and you and me being sold out to your purpose. And then the other thing about the date palm, I taught on this many, many Wednesday nights ago, is that a date palm is one of the most productive, if not the most productive trees that has ever existed. Let me share with you all the things that can come from a date palm. It produces dates, duh, Sugar, wine, honey, oil, resin, rope, thread, tannin, and dye all come from the date palm. That's why God says the godly grow like a date palm. Because it doesn't matter what environment they're in, even if they're in a harsh environment, they can flourish and prosper because it's not about our circumstances. It's not about what's around us. It's not about our environment. It's about us and God. That's all that matters. And secondly, we can be productive no matter where we are because it's just about us selling ourselves out to the purpose of God. The Bible says, If we as God's people faint in the day of adversity, our strength is small. God doesn't want his people to be fainting and overwhelmed and losing heart and distressed and troubled and agitated. God wants his people to be strong and stand firm, having allowed God to solidly and deeply plant them. Will we commit ourselves as a church and as individual followers of Jesus Christ to do whatever it takes to get stronger and to be stronger? What may that mean for you even this coming week? How can we apply that? What what can I do, God, this week that will be a step to make me stronger? How about this month? How about this year? What is it that I could do very tangibly, very practically to become strong? That's what God wants us to consider this morning. Let's pray. Would you stand with me as we pray this morning? Father, we know it is your desire To not always place us in the best environment. Sometimes, Lord, you even destine us and call us to a season of, of suffering and pain and trial. Because it can be so evident and so apparent, even during those darkest days of our life, that, Lord, our prosperity and Our ability to flourish and to blossom and to to be productive has nothing to do with our circumstances. It has everything to do with who we are in God, in you. And God, we have seen that even in our own people. We have seen the witness of Dwight and his family, of Bonnie and her family. We have seen the witness of of the Evian family and the Stantons and others, Lord, who, for whatever reason, they've been going through really difficult days and yet they're standing up for you. 
They keep trusting in you. They keep pointing people to you. Because, Lord, they're not operating in their own strength. They're operating in your strength. And, God, you tell us, you promise us that if we will simply sell ourselves out to your purpose in our life, you will make us as strong as we need to be. God, more than ever, we need to look to you. This song that we're about to sing, it was such a reminder of how instead of being so self-reliant like so many are today, we need to be God-reliant and God-dependent more than ever. We need to look to you and keep our eyes fixed on you. We need to realize, God, more than ever, that you're our stability, you're our security, you're our strength. That's where it all comes from, God. It comes from you. You've already given us your comfort, your hope, your encouragement, your strength. It's not a matter, God, that we don't have it. It's a matter of, God, we simply need to appropriate and apply it by selling ourselves out to your purpose in our life. God, would you make us strong as a church and make us strong as your people today in the days of adversity in which we live. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.